1: What's up, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I realize this is kind of the first time I've spoken today. (laughs) That sometimes is a weird thing, right? Like, you know, maybe you you say goodbye to, you know, your roommates or friends or family or whoever you live with. But then, you know, you kind of just start working and, you know, maybe you don't have any phone calls scheduled. And so, anyways, you didn't come here for this. You came here for... Hopefully intelligent discussions about independent music in the form of an interview, talking to people who, you know, either make the thing, have toured the thing, have released the thing, have taken pictures of the thing, and that thing is independent music. Of course, that's why you're here. We have an awesome guest this week. This is actually the conclusion of our focus month on the beautiful state of North Carolina and all of the amazing music that has come from there in the, uh, you know, punk hardcore scene. And uh, we have Johnny Smirnoff, who is the bassist from Beloved, and he also played in Advent as well. He's been a guy that I've known for many, many years, and has always been nothing but a sweetheart to me. And I, uh, I, I, I love Beloved. <laughs> Beloved is such a good band. Got to play a few shows with them uh, in the early two thousands, and I just was was captivated by this band because they seemed like such a, you know, unlikely group of dudes to kind of put together this music. I mean, granted, I didn't know them before I played a few shows with them, but, and then how people, how this band resonated with people was really, really deep because, you know, in all actuality I mean, they released an EP and a full length and then poof, they were gone, you know? Um, So yeah, I just, I had to have somebody from the band on the show and uh, yeah, Johnny was a perfect guest. So that's, that's what we got. You are a great human. Okay. I'm pointing at you because you are going to review the show and you're going to rate the show and also email the show. If you do so desire 100 words, podcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from people such as yourself about uh, things you've liked, things you don't like other guests you're into. You know, I've just, I've been having a lot of great communication recently and I appreciate that. So that's uh that's always the preferred method. You know, if you're messaging me on like Instagram or any one of these other social media profiles, it's uh it's hard sometimes. I just, you know, I, I would like all of it to, 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 f- flow in via email, because that's just, uh, you yeah, know, that's that's my preferred method, so. And um, how am I doing? Thank you. Actually, how are you doing? I hope that you are doing well. I've been um, kind of documenting this this journey that I've been on from a mental health perspective, and I've been getting a lot of feedback from people that say that they are finding relevance in their own lives, that's either spurned them on to, you know, make changes in their own lives, and, like, that is very, very influential to me, because... I put my life out there from, you know, even though this is like a very, very small form when you're talking about, you know, like celebrities who are, you know, their, their life is under a microscope and there's people who have a a much larger megaphone than I do. But, um, I just always, I want to share my experience because I think that, uh, by sharing your experience with anybody, you make the world feel a little bit smaller and that's a, that's a good thing. So I am now, let's see, about a, uh, I don't know, week, week or so on uh, Lexapro, which is a uh, anti-anxiety medication, and, um, you know, I, I don't feel any effect of it as of yet, but I know that it takes a while to get in your system and then, you know, interact with your brain and the chemicals in your brain, so, you know, I'm, maybe I'll feel something in the next, like, week or so. Um, my sleep is still kind of hit or miss. Sometimes I sleep well. Sometimes I wake up like I did this morning at, like, you know, two thirty three, and I'm just kind of like, well... Where's my brain going to take me now? <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, and going to a therapist, working through all that, realizing that there are a lot of deep-seated things that uh, I've just never dealt with. And you know, we as humans, we could go throughout our own lives, and you know, we we know our stories, we know our narratives, we know the things that uh, you know haven't been optimal in our lives. But sometimes, when you actually put a microscope on it and you work with a person to help you identify that it is incredibly powerful because the way that you talk about your experiences, when a person, a professional sits there and looks at the way you react to certain questions, it is profoundly amazing. Like there were just so many times in my sessions of therapy that I've been like, Oh wow. Okay. I I didn't know that I, I didn't breathe when I was speaking about that particular instance or that particular scenario in my life. So anyways. That's just uh, that's something that I encourage all of you to do. If you're feeling not like yourself, there are always people to, there to help from a professional capacity. You know, leaning on your friends and family is, is always a good thing, but there's only so much that they can do, um, especially when it comes to mental health. So I encourage you to do that, okay? I'm doing it. There's no reason you need to be ashamed about that, okay? Um, yeah. And then, uh, November, it will be back to our sort of regularly scheduled programming in regards to like no themed month, some great future episodes, which of course I talk about at the very, very end of the episode, which you need to stick around for. Cause I always drop little nuggets of fun stuff, whether it's about the, uh, you know, some behind the scenes stuff on the interviews or next week's guests that just, you know, stick around. Don't just bail. Um, and then, um, yeah. So Johnny, great guest. Let's dive into it. Okay. I just, I, I can't wait for you to listen to this. All right. Now. Here's the show. You know, usually there's like one distinct memory that kind of stands out with, you know, either people or bands or anything like that. But there's two for you in particular that I have where Mm -hmm. I want to say it was uh, Rock Island, Illinois we were on tour with uh bleeding through and it was the first time that I had ever seen you guys, like you guys just randomly cause I, Norma Jean was on the tour as well. And I think you were on tour with Norma Jean mm-hmm. and I just remember. Yep. It, yeah. So like both of our tours kind of combined and we, I think we all went up to Hellfest fest after that, if I'm not mistaken, but yep. it was one of those things where it was like, I had just heard, I had heard of the band's name, but you know, I, I think, I think you had just signed a tooth and nail. Cause I think, I I got the EP that evening and I think it was still like, you know, not labeled tooth and nail the running EP or whatever. Um, But it was like one of those just like when you (laughs) I didn't know any of you guys. And then I watched your entire set and I was just like, so I need to know every single member of this band. They're like unbelievable musically taken can play a million shows with them. I just immediately felt such a kinship for you guys (laughs) that it was like, And I, you, you know that feeling like when you see a band and you're just like, Oh, so they get it. They get like, they get what we're going for. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know if you remember that show in particular. And it was also like on the third floor of this weird, like VFW hall. I don't know if you remember that show at all, but
2: I don't, I don't know if I I do remember it, but I do remember taken and I do remember bleeding through. Obviously I remember both those bands, but I remember seeing, um, both of you guys and it just blowing my mind um, <laughs> because you know, one, you know, touring was really early on in beloved. So we had, um, the, the running was out, but we had started writing for, um, the full length failure on. And I was super new to the band. Um, like I, I joined the band. So I wasn't on the running. Um, that was a, a, a guy named John Brim, who is a phenomenal guy, but so I was not in that band. And then there was a guy who was really short into the band uh, named Mitch Marlowe. who's another great guy. Um, he, I think he was in the band for like six months or something like that. And then I joined, but, um, that was like one of my first tours. So, uh, like legit tours. Um, and beloved had done some very minor touring before then. Um, which, which was amazing, but yeah. And you know, that tour really kind of solidified. Um, That was when Norma Jean kind of turned into Norma Jean uh, from, from Ludacris and we built a, like a connection with that band um, like nothing I've ever experienced before. And, and through the career of beloved, which was short, unfortunately um, we toured with them a lot.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and I, I really appreciate you painting that picture. Cause it, there is something that is so visceral about your first kind of, you know, touring experiences where you're touring with other bands and like people are showing up to shows where it's not like, and when I say people, it's like, you know, I mean, I think that show was probably like, I don't know, a hundred people, but it, you know, it felt really like good, you know? And so when you get those touring yeah. experiences of like, Oh yes. And then you get to like join up with other tours on random stops and kind of be like, Oh wow, I get to see what's happening Mm -hmm. with these bands. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is so cool. And like, it's just excitement across the board.
2: Yeah. And you know, with, you know, with tours like that, so obviously touring with, you know, one band for four weeks is incredible. And, and that's actually what we, you know, everything that we believed in, um, that was what we chose to do. Like we, we really, every tour we did, we wanted to connect with the band we were with. Um, but when we got to meet up with other tours, I mean, I remember, I, I, I have no shame fanboying out on, I'm 37 years old, dude. I, I'll fanboy out now. Uh, I don't, I, I, I've never had a shame with that. So, um, when bleeding through, um, with them, uh, meeting. I remember playing a show in, in Kansas City with uh, American Nightmare and Hope Conspiracy. Every time I die, um, I think Suicide File played like and and just freaking out. And and that was the fun thing is like getting to getting to to play on a, the same stage as bands that you legitimately loved. Um, it never gets old and it still doesn't get old for me. And it it it, it changed. Uh, changed my life getting those experiences.
1: Yeah, no. So, and I, I think it is. I mean, like you said, you know, it, it is coming from the sort of fanboy perspective. But it's just like the, the idea that these people who are you know maybe only like a year or two older than you, but you know whatever have maybe been touring like a year, year and a half longer than you had, or even longer. Mm-hmm. But you just feel like that immediate. You know appreciation of the fact that you're here, you're here in this room, you're playing this show, but then yeah. you're also so excited because you're like, dude, I've been listening to your records for like the past, like, you know, two or three years. And I love, I, I love you. I, I don't even know you, but I love you.
2: A hundred percent. And, and, you know, we, you know, beloved was very anyone who got to know us. Um, we were, we were very active in, whenever we were at a show. So we, we, there was, who cares about a green room? It's, we wanted to be on the stage or, or, you know, some of us were like moshing for every band and then playing. And, um, and you know, I wanted to tell them how much their songs meant to me or or the way they, they made me feel, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, and still to this day, man, like even younger bands, like, um, that, that I see, I want to talk to them and be like, I'm older than you but your band is sick and this is why it's you're sick. <laughs> right. Um, right. And you know, I hope, I hope I never turn into that old man that people are like, dude, why are you talking to me? And I'm sure I will. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, I just, when you love something, man, and, and you see how special something is that someone else is doing, I, it's in my heart. That's, I want to let them know why I think they're special because I think it could potentially affect them and and their, their future in the sense of how I I really think there's definitely a sense of people not valuing themselves as much as they should. And so anytime I can like talk to someone and speak to someone and let them know that what they're doing is actually meaning something to someone, um, I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's a very valuable thing to not only pay attention to in yourself, but then the idea that these, you know, moments that we have being able to appreciate whatever it is that we're surrounded with and the actual, you know, you stopping in your tracks and being like, I want to tell this thing that i appreciate it it's like you know exactly a beautiful you know a beautiful sunset or you know a band playing dude, great yeah. set yeah you just want to be like oh man i'm really thankful for this and like i want you to know that
2: yeah I, in life dude life is too short to like worry about trying to to be cool and it's it's not cool you know in in certain you know places to like to do that. And, and I'm totally fine with not being cool. If it means I can let someone know that, that what they're doing means something to me.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, that's a, yeah, it's a beautiful full circle scenario. Cause you know, when it, when it gets reflected back on you where people are like, yeah, I really appreciate your music. You can, it's that, that level of mutual appreciation where we're like, well, dude, I'm glad you like my stuff. Cause I like your stuff as well. And cool. There we are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, dude. If, if, even to this day, if another band um, that I'm really into watches us play, and especially then, I you know there were times that I was like, I'm gonna I'm getting kind of choked up because this this person that I really <laughs> dig is bobbing their head yeah. on the side of the stage. Like I don't know what to think of that. Like, like it just meant a lot to 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 all of us in in beloved. Um, it there there were times that we would get in the van. And be like, oh my gosh! Like the radio wouldn't go on. We would just be like, can you believe the show we just got to play? And who actually watched us? Like this is incredible.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's awesome. Um, The uh, the second memory I have is of (laughs) where we and I can't remember the bands that were on the tour. I want to say it was like you guys and Comeback Kid. Um, but anyways, we drove out to. Was Airbnb. this the paintball? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I remember. Yes, of course, and dude. It,
2: and I feel like this is when you and I actually got to like connect. Totally. And this is like, I was like, whoa! Not only is this being good, but Ray is someone special
1: (laughs) well dude i still think about that i do it it was the most pointless like i obviously you know for anyone listening like that you know doesn't know the situation so basically long story short we drove to meet this tour i think we were just doing like a week of dates with you know you guys it was comeback kid right or who else was on the show
2: yeah yeah i'm pretty sure was it comeback
1: kid and um evergreen terrace no i can't wait a sense by man maybe i don't or was know it
2: figure four yeah uh, i four?
1: <laughs> who, who knows yeah i can't remember <laughs> yeah so, some affiliated comeback kid but i i mean we were friends with every band on the bill and so we were excited that we got to do a week's worth of dates anyways we drove five hours from southern california to go play the show in arizona uh you know we had a, a very young immature drummer who brought a paintball gun didn't tell us <laughs> shot, shot shot outside of the venue like you know some paintballs up at a, at a power pole or whatever and then obviously the venue freaked out and <laughs> i just remember remember so distinctly where uh, the entire bill, the entire touring bill was willing to cancel the show because like everybody yep, understood. Yeah. Everybody understood it was a mistake and you know, I was apologetic. Like everybody was super apologetic, but it was one of those things where, you know, out of principle they were like, no, you're kicked off the bill. And all of you guys, like I just, you know, it, whatever this is going to sound like totally cliched and cheesy but just like you know the the brotherhood you feel of everyone being like oh yeah like we're going to cancel this show just because you guys got kicked off and i was like dude no you guys are on tour like we're close to home it's not that big of a deal even though we just drove you know 10 hours round trip just to hang out with you guys for <laughs> half an hour but yeah i just remember that very not only was it telling of you know you guys as a band but it was just like it, you know i just felt like oh yeah even though we hadn't hung out a ton just the kinship formed immediately
2: yeah. You know, I, 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 was thinking about that. Um, pr- a few months ago I was listening to the podcast and, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I remember that. And I remember you, you know, and it's kind of weird. Um, like I, I remember leaning up against, I think your van doors open, you were sitting in it and I was like leaning up against the door talking to you and you were, you were like essentially begging us not to do it. Like, no, like it's not worth it. And knowing that you, one, you appreciated the entire tour package being willing to cancel the show because it was shooting a paintball gun is is not I mean back then I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Like yeah as you know, older <laughs> I'm like, I get you yeah, know, I, why I get it's there's a, a good problem. Idea. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like it it's water based paint that will the next time it rains, and I know it's Arizona, so it probably rains twice a year, but it'll come off. And it's not a big deal and uh and and it it was just a a really cool moment and the conversations that that you and i had it definitely sealed uh a memory into my heart that i that i I won't forget so that's that that's awesome yeah that that was the one that (laughs) That was was the one one that i remember yeah it
1: was so good totally totally no i I, yeah it it, like you said it's those those little things that you know that i mean it wasn't little at the time it was very dramatic but you know it really um yeah, those moments, you know, fortify relationships in ways that you never could have anticipated. But, um, yeah. Turn, turning this back on you as an individual, you, you know, clearly, you know, beloved came from North Carolina. Were you born and raised in the state? Where did you come mm-hmm.
2: up? No, man. Uh, I was, I was, uh, a Navy kid. So, um, my parents, uh, before, before my parents, um, split up, Um, I lived in, I lived in Japan. Uh, I lived in, I was born around the DC area. Um, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio till I was about three. Um, then I moved to, um, Japan for I lived in Japan for three years. Um, which what I remember was amazing. And it, it was, was, and we actually lived for the, the majority of it. We lived off base and it, it was just one of those things where I I do remember culturally going to things that I was like, I have no idea what's going on, but I love it. Like, I love that. Um, you know, I'm getting to, you know, make friends with people that don't look like me, um, that don't eat like me, you know, it was, it was just incredible. Um, then I lived, uh, from Japan. We went back to Cleveland, Ohio for a little bit. Then we lived in, um, Northern California, uh, near the Sacramento Bay area, mm-hmm. um, for you know I was actually there for I don't know um, if many people remember this, but kind of the big earthquake in '89. The Northridge uh, where, like, the Oakland, Yeah, the Oakland Oh no, no, days, no, like, no, no. no that's, not,
1: that's not Northridge. That was Northridge was near LA, but yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and, you know I remember. I believe if my memory serves me correctly, it was a Sunday. We got home from church. We turned on the game, and our house started shaking. Like, and if, you know, I'm trying to explain to my wife, who's thankfully never been in an earthquake. It's bananas. Like literally knowing that like the earth is, is shaking, your house could definitely fall. And, uh, and you know, I remember all of our family running outside, um, and you know, a couple power lines falling over, things like that. But, uh, it was, it was wild, but you know, unfortunately my shortly after that, my mother and father, um, divorced, um, my mother loaded up my sister and I in a station wagon and we drove all the way across the country to North Carolina. Cause she grew up, she was, she was uh, born in Virginia and the closest, um, it, you know, it was, it was not a good separation. And actually that was like, you know, I, I had very little contact with my father from, from that point on, um, until he passed away a few years ago. Um, but it was the most inexpensive place that my mother had a sibling living in was actually, it was Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is, um, if anyone doesn't know is legitimately where Andy Griffith grew up. Mayberry and where the Andy Griffith show was based. Wow. That's where I moved to. Okay. Which is why, wild. uh, so, so yeah, so, so from second grade on, I've lived in North Carolina.
1: Dude, I can't believe you moved to all of those places before you're in second grade. Like that is a, that's a lot to shove in yeah. your head. It was wild.
2: Uh, but it was, you know, you know, I remember, you know, probably starting about five years old is when I like can like think of my earliest memories. Um, so it was cool getting, like, I've thankfully been, it's been easy to kind of make friends for me. Um, I just, I enjoy people since I was a kid. And like, if I saw a group of kids doing something that, um, I didn't know what the heck it was or I didn't know what it was. I just went up and was like, well,
3: hey, what's up, be cool, guys? right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah the,
2: exactly. I'm the new I'm, guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. like, what is this? That looks really cool. And that's how I found out about skateboarding. Um, you know, so like, uh, you know, fortunately it was, it was easy for me to, to like make friends. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, I moved around a lot, but it was, it was pretty awesome. And yeah,
1: yeah. And,
2: and you know, I, 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 you know, a really good experience doing it.
1: Oh boy. I get to tell you about this amazing company, which you've probably heard me speak about before, but Sonos Sonos is the best speaker company. An audio company that I, I could just I could ever imagine. I actually want to work for them someday. So maybe fingers crossed that they'll they'll hear these ads and be like, you know what, Ray, you can go ahead and come on in, work with our work with our stuff, and you know we'll figure we'll figure a position for you out. But they just came out with an unbelievable product called the Sonos Move. This is basically a portable speaker that works off of a rechargeable battery lasts for ten hours I actually used this yesterday at a uh, you know a, a, a function in which uh, you know we wanted to play some some music and uh, I was able to dial it in with my Bluetooth and my phone had music going for at least two and a half hours like just it sounded incredible you it's it comes in this little bag it's so easily transportable I just love what Sonos does they put so much care and effort not only into the sound of these speakers but just how easy they are to set up and use. You can get this thing immediately at go to Sonos.com. Check out their entire product line. I have my entire house outfitted. I got a, a sound bar for my TV. I have a Play 5 system for my living room. I have a Play 3 for my son's room. There's just so many different options, and you can sync them all together to where they can play the same track throughout the house. You can be listening to different music on one speaker versus another speaker it's just the best. So Sonos.com, you can check out their whole product line, like I mentioned, and especially check out the Sonos move. I love this thing so much. And you'll be able to like, just be the coolest person at the party. Be like, yo, yo, I got, I got the music, boom, set it up two minutes later, playing some music. And everyone's like, oh man, yeah, you're cool. I like that. So thank you very much. Sonos as always. And I look forward to the uh, job offer soon. Okay. Sonos.com to learn more. Yeah, and that's interesting because it's funny because you saying that about yourself is like is very much how I picture you to be like you know not knowing your background and then hearing the way that, you know, you meet people is like, you very much are just kind of like you are, you know, even though you're a tall dude and like some people may view tall people as like threatening or whatever, but like, you're just a guy that just like waltzes up. Oh and like, you know, you're just like, Hey, what's up guys? How's it going? And you're like, Oh, Hey, who's this guy? Oh, yeah. oh, what's up, Johnny? Hey, nice to meet you or whatever. Like that's, that is totally your, what you, you know, how you put yourself out there. And I can see where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, no, Thank it's, you. Yeah, of course. No, it's good. It's good. Um, and so then, you know, as you started to kind of, you know, plant roots in North Carolina and obviously start to get to, you know, know your ins and outs and everything like that, um, you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself being besides like, you know, I mean, the fact you didn't have to, you know, be the new kid perpetually made it, you know, maybe a little bit easier, but like, you know, were you always kind of yep. that? Um, you know, clearly you are that sort of like outgoing friendly guy, you know, were you like a sports kid? Did you like like math? Where would you kind of end up?
2: Um, you know, I was kind of kind of all the above. Um, I so not having a father figure um at that pivotal time was a little weird, but um, you know, and and I'm as I'm sure everyone who has ever listened to Beloved or Advent knows I you know, in my, you know, case, fortunately grew up in the church. Um, my mother, uh, being a single mom, um, you know, she, she, you know, she was like, okay, well, you know, we didn't do it when, when I was married, but I, I definitely need, um, to build a family quickly. And so we started going to church. Um, and in church, I, uh, you know, I got into, uh, like the youth group and, um, there's, there's this thing that I honestly don't even know if it's still around. It was called RAs, Royal Ambassadors. And it was essentially like Boy Scouts for like Christian kids, which is really weird. But I started doing that and then that led me into Boy Scouts. And, uh, and so in those, I actually started just doing a whole lot of stuff. So I did boy scouts. Um, I, you know, In that I started camping. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Uh, I started playing basketball. Um, I played baseball for a little bit and I was not good at all at any of that, like any sport. Like I, uh, I'm the type of person that I'm not good at a lot of things. I wasn't good at school, but I really, you know, I, I want to try at everything I do as the best I can. Um, so, like, I, I wasn't a kid that, like, hated sports or hated school. Um, I loved doing it, but I wasn't good at any of it. <laughs> and then, you know, this magical moment, I found a skateboard. And it legitimately, like, changed my life with all of that. Um, so, yeah, so I, after, like, the third or fourth grade, um, maybe a little later, I, I started skateboarding. And it, uh, so that's what I kind of came up into is, is skateboarding.
1: Nice. Nice. I like that. Uh, the picture that you paint too, of just the, you're like, whether or not I'm good at something, I'm mostly not good. Like I'll, I'll still try, like I'll, I'll still try really oh, hard.
2: Dude, dude, even to, you know, as me as an adult, like I, I'm not good at a lot of things, but whatever I do, I'm going to do the best that I, I possibly can at it. And if you know if that's like trying to learn something new and, uh, or, 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 or whatever, like, like that's just the attitude that, Uh, that I have and, you know, I hope, you know, I can instill in my kids and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, but then skateboarding, dude, it just like, you know, a lot of people that you've spoken to and a lot of people that got into punk rock, like skateboarding, um, really speaks to a lot of individuals because there's a very few people that skateboard that become pro and, but you can do it until the day you die it's just, you know, you can skate with a lot of people and it's awesome. Uh, and it was an amazing way. I built some really amazing friendships, but also you can do it in your driveway and still have an amazing time. And, and it's challenging anyone who skateboards. Um, like I actually saw this like Jerry Seinfeld thing where he's actually talking. I think he's it's like that, um, comedians in cars with coffee or something like that. And he's, yep. he's talking with Chris rock and he's like, you know what? Like, He's like, whenever I see kids skateboarding, um, he's like, and I see them doing a trick over and over and over and they're slamming and, you know, getting hurt and getting back up and doing it. He's like, I know that those kids are going to be okay. And, and, you know, to me, that's, that's this magical thing with skateboarding is, um, you can do it with a whole lot of people. Um, it's, it's not so much a team aspect, um, but it's, it's all on you and and it's, it's going to hurt it, you know, it's going to hurt and it's going to take a long time to get good. But if you stay with it, you will get better. And it may just be a little bit better, but you'll be better. Um, And to me, it literally, it set me up for like how I look at life is, man, life's going to suck sometimes and it's going to hurt. But if you keep going and you keep pushing, you're going to learn and you're going to get a little better and then you'll get a little better. So, uh, so that's why skateboarding definitely like
1: yeah, really foundational to me. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You you viewed. The, right. You viewed the world through that lens. It makes total sense. Um totally. And so then, you know, I'm going to imagine the kind of, you know, the confluence of all of these kind of things. You know, you're the fact that you were, you know, involved in in the church, and then obviously there's skateboarding, and then you know, music starts to play a part of it. Like, you know, were you kind of the the sort of tried and true, you know, for lack of a better term, like tooth and nail kid, where it was like, oh yes, like I'm, you know, I'm discovering music through my, you know, sort of faith like principles. Or did you also have the exposure via skateboarding of like, you know, here's Dead Kennedys and this sort of stuff as well, where it's like, okay, like. Yeah, you know, clearly, clearly this isn't Christian, but like, you know, I, I I'm still going to listen to it cause I like it or whatever.
2: Yeah, actually I had no, um, connection with alternative Christian music at all. Um, so I grew up in, um, when I was younger, a, a Southern Baptist church with, okay. which, so for people that know it is a very conservative, um, I hate to use this word, but legalistic, um, kind of denomination of Christianity where, um, it, you know, I didn't know that there were Christian bands that played heavy music, um, through skateboarding and through like Thrasher. Um, and you know, Thrasher is, is a magazine that definitely like put me on the, the, uh, trajectory of, of the kind of the path that I chose. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I always love, and I still love, you know, church music or gospel music or, you know, whatever you want to call worship music, you know, between you two and and, and gospel music, I I learned how to feel music. I learned what that meant. Um, but to me, and this, this may be a long shot, man. Like when I got into punk through Thrasher or 411 video magazine, if any, you know, I don't know how many people even remember that. Um, it was, it was the punk was the first music that gave me the same feeling that when I heard you two or a gospel song or, or a worship song in it, it, it's a lot of people will, will may be like that. That's not connected at all. And it's not, but it's the feeling that I got from it and where it like, it made my stomach hurt in the best possible way because it made me like think and feel, um, it, that's, that's what kind of drew me into and then obviously eventually into hardcore and, and metal and whatever else I'm into now.
1: Nice. Nice. No, that's cool. Cause I I do think people that, you know, grow up, you know, around a faith and then start to, you know, get exposed to music and then, uh, you know, unfortunately have to have the myopic view of only listening to music that is under this banner, you know, and even in the flip side where it's like, you know, people that, you know, don't get raised inside of a faith and then, you know, snub their nose at everything (laughs) that is Christian and are like, Oh yeah, yeah, whatever it's Christian music. So it's terrible, of course. And it's like, well, no, like you can't only look, at music via one of those lenses and then, you know, completely throw away the rest. But, you know, it's cool that you did not have the, I guess, myopic experience of, you know, one or the other.
2: Totally. Yeah. And you know, I'm thankful. Like my mother was amazing. Like she, she didn't, she did not care if music had um, cuss words in it or bad language. She didn't care about that. But if I listened to something, I did have to talk to her about what it meant, like what they were singing about. So she wasn't into, um, like, like, like negative, um, it, it, you know, negative just to be negative, um, stuff. So like my, you know, my first memories of like metal or whatever, my sister kind of went through like a goth phase where she was into like Marilyn Manson. And, um, and then, you know, kind of moved into like Corn and stuff like that. And, uh, a lot of those bands, they're negative to be negative or to be shocking. You know what I mean? Like they're like rock bands. Um, and you know, I know a lot of people have gotten into hardcore through those bands and that's amazing. But for me, like, um, it, it wasn't, it didn't really catch my ear that much. Um, and so when I found out about punk or, um, you know, some even from rap, you know, some like hip hop, uh, my mom was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's buy it. And she's like, if it it had a parental advisory, she's like, um, you know, a lot of times you could go to the record store and listen to the CD or the tape, uh, before you bought it. And so we'd listen to it and, you know, she'd read some lyrics and be like, okay, well I see that there is some, you know, bad language, but I get the overall feel of it. And I, and I, I understand why they're saying what they're saying. So I was very fortunate, uh, to have, that over it because a lot of people have that like somewhat oppressive um, force over them it, when they grow up in the church. Like, no, you can't listen to that, and it definitely you know limits the the amazing bands that you can uh, you can um, listen to and find out about.
1: Totally. Yeah. You're, you, I mean, your, your mom was, you know, in, in my opinion, being a good parent where she's like, okay, I want to, you know, I know I'm not going to completely understand, you know, maybe the, this music that, you know, my kid is getting into, but you know, I want to understand enough to where I feel like this is of, you know, redeeming value in some capacity, which is, you know, that's totally. awesome because I mean, I'm sure as a father, you see this all the time where I think the, uh, you know, a lot of parents have such a disconnect with their kids because they don't, you know, frankly pay attention what they're getting into where it's just like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, Paw Patrol. Like, who cares? And it's just like, no, like, dude, <laughs> ca- like, care about what your kid is into. Like, even if it's fleeting, hundred percent. And like, because that way you're actually able to connect with them, as opposed to like, oh, I don't know the names of any of those dogs. And it's like, dude, you don't know Marshall and you know Rocky. Like, what, what's wrong with you? You got to know mom. Yeah,
2: <laughs> totally. And you know, with anything, you know, like, it, it. It's just a. It's a way that can a lot of times lead to a very poor relationship, and then you know perpetuate that poor relationship over and over generation to generation. So, I mean, man, I'm, I was a very lucky kid, uh, in that sense of, um, having a mother who, you know, challenged me, made me dig deep, um, and explain it. And, you know, that's, that's what I, you know, I'm, you know, the father, I, I aim to, to be, you know, every day.
1: The show, as always, is brought to you by Rockabilia. So, if you need band merch, which let's be honest, all of us do, use this code PC100Words. That gets you 15% off of your order from Rockabilia. All officially licensed, all high quality stuff, fast shipping, great customer service, independently owned, and they ship from the Midwest. So, you get your stuff lickety split. They have so many items. I think it's like what half a million items. I think that they have, and uh, I've gotten shirts from there. I actually got a really really cool NXS shirt from a long time ago. Um, that they just they had some dead stock, and it was great there. So you can order all of the stuff that you possibly need to outfit your closet in your life: long sleeves, hoodies, t-shirts, scarves. Like because we're, we're getting into the fall, we're getting into the winter time, right? You need to make sure that you're warm. So Rockabilia is the place to go. PC 100 words is the code that gets you 15% off your order. Thank you very much. Rockabilia. the best place to buy merch. So w- when did you, cause I mean, you know, you played bass and all, all the bands that you've, I mean, publicly, you know, played in, um, what, uh, how did you kind of gravitate towards that? Cause usually, you know, no slight against bass players. Um, it's usually one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, we, you know, yeah, we got a we got a friend that like is hanging out with us. So like, you know, he doesn't play guitar really well, but like, let's just throw a bass in his hands, like. Or were you always kind of like, oh no, I like, I just love the bass. I love these four strings.
2: Not at all. Okay. <laughs> there are some people that are incredible, and and you know, you speaking with Tommy from Between the Bear and Me, uh, Dan, who is a bass player for Between the Bear and Me, oh, yeah. who is an amazing guy he is a bass player. Yeah. Like he, and he, like, I remember being in the studio for a couple records. Um, and we'd be like, Oh, let's go get some food. And Dan would not go just so he could play bass. And to me now is re- is so crazy. Like you really just want to play bass by yourself. Like that doesn't make sense. Uh, so no, yeah. Like I actually got a guitar, Um, Oh man, I still remember my first guitar. I was probably in seventh grade. Uh, my mom bought me a BC rich bitch. And if anyone doesn't know what that guitar looks like, it's so stupid to have that as your first guitar. That's so dumb, but it it was the most amazing thing to me. It was wild. It was all black. It's, it's even hard to hold sitting down. And that was the first guitar I ever had. Um, so no, so I started playing guitar and I was already pretty heavy into, into punk. Um, when I got that guitar, um, and I, and I was already in, you know, into hardcore at that time. So literally I I wanted a guitar and I wanted to learn how to play as fast and as, as heavy as I could. Um, so I'm, I've been a guitar player. Um, I I still am somewhat of a guitar player. (laughs) Sure. Um, but, uh, so, so I actually grew up being in not a lot of bands, uh, but I remember the first punk band I was in when I was in probably 10th grade. Um, it was, it was a band called Motley's crew cut.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh dude. <laughs> obviously, obviously a really good pop punk band. Yeah, dude,
2: it was, uh, it was, you know, there were like two dudes of Mohawks. Oh. Uh, I remember we would, we would drive to Sparta, Virginia to, a uh, to practice and it was incredible. Uh, nothing ever happened to it because Mount Airy does not have a punk scene. Um, I was not in the, um, the capacity to go tour or anything like that, but we wrote, we wrote like a few songs and, uh, and, and I played guitar in that and it was awesome. Um, and then right out of high school, I, um, I was able to start traveling more for, for music just to, to go see shows. So all over the state. And that's really when I, 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 uh, I met Tommy. So there, in, in North Carolina, there was, uh, the Charlotte scene. There was the Raleigh scene. Those are the two major cities in North Carolina. There was Wilmington and then, uh, Winston-Salem. And so I started, uh, going to shows as much as I possibly could. And, you know, the amazing thing about hardcore is that, it is it is a community and if you if you participate and that can look like a lot of different things you can put shows on you can um you can just go to shows you can be in bands uh you can set up uh information tables uh all that kind of stuff um then you get to know people and we had an amazing venue in Winston Salem it was called uh Pablo's and later turned into 533 which 100% shaped who i am as a person and how i did shows when I put shows on how I acted at shows when I was on tour. Um, so, you know, meeting people, I I met some guys and we actually started a band called, uh, division champs, um, with some guys in Raleigh, which later turned into a band called over and out that, um, I was in until I joined beloved. And right after I joined beloved, they signed a stab and kill. Uh, Uh, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Over and out. I remember like put out like at least a seven inch for sure seven inch. Yeah. We, we did
2: a demo with division champs and then we changed the name to over and out. We put out a demo and then we did the seven inch or they did the seven inch with stabbing kill.
1: Got it. Yep. I remember that. Um,
2: yeah. And so with that, uh, so the guys in that band, um, uh, were incredible and it was the, the thing like, Hey, we're doing this band and we need a bass player. And I'm like, well, oh, all right, I'll, you know, I'll do it. Like it's, Two less strings, why not? Uh I could figure it's, it out. It's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's hardcore, so it's you know fast and things like that. Um and we, you know, we didn't really tour tour, but um we you know we played definitely around the south and it was incredible. And I was like, Whoa, this is actually cool, like playing shows in different towns um and different cities around the south. Like maybe this is something like I want to kind of push to cause you know, being from Mount Airy, it wasn't, you know, not many people came out of Mount Airy playing in, in bands. And then those, if they did, those bands were not successful or they were just like bar bands or weekend cover bands, things like that. So, um, I knew that you could do it just because I was in hardcore, but I was like, I'm, I i do not know who I would do it with. Right. Um, cause I live so far away. And then, you know, it got to be like, I moved, uh, to Greenville North Carolina to to go to college um for a couple of years and i was like well i'm closer to all these guys and so i would be in raleigh every weekend um doing that so so that was the first time i like picked up a bass i didn't own any bass equipment actually like the dudes in uh um this guy nick who's a phenomenal guy and and still writes amazing music um he uh he had some bass stuff and i was like okay cool i'll, I'll be a bass player um and then while I was doing that, um, Joe and Matt from beloved, um, those two dudes were, were kind of the guys that were into heavy music in beloved and then Josh and Dusty were, uh, into more of the rock side. And so Joe, Matt and I started playing music together, which Joe, Matt and I started advent after beloved. Um, and, and so we started playing, I think they were like, Oh, well, he can, he can play an instrument. He can keep up. He can, you know, do his thing. So, um, they asked, like, we know that you can play guitar, you play bass and over and out. Would you want to play bass and beloved? Um, we were already friends and I was like, sure okay so i sold all my guitar stuff bought bass stuff and then that's kind of how it happened so <laughs> when, when i joined beloved i didn't even own bass equipment i had to like so sell good. my guitar stuff to get it
1: <laughs> you're like all right well yeah you're like it i guess this is a sign i will be doing this now
2: <laughs> yeah okay I'll, I'll be the guy who takes one for the team
1: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, And and, and, I mean, Beloved is such a, you know, weird and interesting band because like you mentioned, you know, you guys were, I mean, you know, ostensibly only put out an EP in a full length, but, you know, the impact that that the band had not only from a sonic perspective, it's like, you know, people, uh, people still gravitate towards the band in a really real way. And like, I think that, uh, you know, is a testament not only to the music, but the the fact that, you know, you guys, um, you know, really approach things in uh, a way that was... You know, different than a lot of bands that existed at that time, because, you know, obviously at that time was, you know, every band sung and scream screamed like that was such a, you know, Mm invoke thing to do. Um, but the way that you guys kind of leaned on both of your polarities were, was so, um, you know, refreshing and interesting. And that's why I think, you know, you captured a lot of people's attention, um, And I'm guessing that like, you know, as you, I mean, like you mentioned with your first tour, like as you started to kind of get out there and see people react to, you know, the EP and, um, you know, even though like you said, you didn't play on it, um, you know, did you, I guess, feel that momentum and kind of feel that attention started to be, you know, shown your guys direction or was it just like, you know, you were just enthusiastic that anyone was at the show?
2: Uh, you know, it was, it was more that we were just enthusiastic that people were at the show. Um, because it's still at that time. I mean, we were, you know, we, you know, we were 20, 19, 20. that's, that's still young. And the idea of, um, it, ha- you know, being something that could be done for a while was, was still not there. Like, you know, even like you said, like some shows had a hundred people, um, but a lot of shows had 10 people. Um, but it was the love of like playing music with, people that you legitimately love um, and playing for people that are coming to watch your band. Like, you know, anyone who maybe hasn't played in a band, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but if you have played in the band to, to see one person, so say there's 10 people at a show and one of those people know one line from one song out of a set you play, it will change your life to know that you're playing this music which you're putting everything you have into it and that it one line in one song meant something to them. It's, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And so, you know, we would, you know, we never got really, you know, kind of hung up on how many people came. It was more so what the reaction was. And, you know, we were a different band. So we, a lot of times we didn't have, um, this insane reaction, uh, because, you know, we, we would tour with heavy bands or hardcore bands or, or metal bands and, um, you know, kids would be stage diving and, and, you know, singing along with us, Josh was singing. So we had a mic stand, then Joe was doing all the heavy screaming vocals and he was behind a drum kit. So, so for some people, it was a little weird, like, how do I sing along to this? Like no one's sticking the mic in my face. Um, there's no one to like jump on. Cause if I jump on this, this little guy playing guitar, he's going to crumble and the song's going to be messed up. Um, so more so like we would just be looking out. And if, if I, we saw one person mouthing the lyrics, it, it was all over. It was like, Oh my gosh, dude, we'll, we'll keep doing this. And, um, uh, uh, until literally we cannot do it.
1: Sure. No, that's uh, I, I, I think, I appreciate you obviously saying, you know, your guys' age, because especially too, like once all of these things start to happen, you know, from record labels being interested and tours being presented, like it is so, um, you know, exciting and overwhelming. Like there are many times where you don't, you don't even have time to reflect on it because you're just like, yeah. you're just reacting and you're just doing it because like that feels like the next logical step or like, Oh yes, like of course we'll do this because this totally. is exciting and stuff. And so you don't have any time to think about it until, you know, whatever, after the band breaks up and you're just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I, n- now I'm able to recognize yeah. something.
2: Yeah. And you know, with that, with that, you know, before failure on came out, it was, we were definitely a, I mean, we were a struggling band, all through until it, we decided it was like time to end it. But we were, you know, we were a struggling band. Um, and it, a lot of people didn't know where, like what shows to put us on because of the sound we had. Um, and, and so, you know, we were, you know, playing shows for free or, or begging to get on shows just, just to, to get on shows to play. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a labor of love. But when, you know, and and even going through the solid state signing, um, dusty and Josh flew out and kind of handled all that stuff. Uh, everyone else was a little, you know, we were just like, Oh, it's awesome. Like we love strong arm. We love living sacrifice. Um, you know, under oath, Norma Jean, all, all those bands. Um, so this is, this is really cool, but there was, you know, it wasn't like that, like, you know, what everyone thinks about, like you sign this like record deal and, you know, you get a stack of cash and you, you kind of go after it. It was like, okay, we're still the band. Um, there's a little bit of buzz about us because, you know, solid state, but a lot of, um, you know, and, and it definitely changed. But at first, you know, solid state in the the scene and the shows we were playing wasn't regarded as an awesome label. They weren't, you know, uh, like ferret or, uh, you know, Trustkill, all all yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. trust Deathwish, you know, all, all like Burginite, like they weren't those labels. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was it was amazing and, and, and cool. But yeah, it, it really didn't see something until Failure On came out. Sure. That's when sure. it was like, whoa, could That's, this be
1: something? Yeah. Oh, this is this is interesting.
0: <laughs> In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. join us for fake doctors, real friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Bridge9 Records. I love Chris and the whole crew at Bridge9. They've supported the show for a very long time. And uh, Chris actually appeared on an earlier episode. I don't know, it's in like the 150s, 160s. Go dive back because you will hear some great history on Bridge9. But I'm here to tell you about some awesome pre-orders they have. First of all, spiral heads if you have not listened to this this thing is incredible it's a seven inch that is uh, up for pre-order right now on b9store.com and let's listen to a little bit of this track called babies got bangs and then we'll talk about it a little more afterwards How good is that, right? It sounds like it should have come out on the SST records in like the early 80s. It's members of American Nightmare, MGMT. It is some heavy hitters and the 7-inch is really, really good. It's only limited to 500 copies. So dive in there right now to the Bridge9 Records web store and you will be able to get it and they also have some cool t-shirts you could do like a little package where you get the seven inch and t-shirt and they also have a bunch of other great items up currently as far as pre-orders concerned uh the new beach slang record we also have the godfathers of hardcore an unbelievable documentary from ian mcfarland and focusing on the band agnostic front pre-orders for that up. They also have a limited edition seven inch that has a B side that is not included on the full length that's coming out for agnostic front. It's just, they have so much stuff going on right now. Bridge nine is one of the best record labels around and you should support what they do. So go to B nine store.com, check it all out and, uh, yeah, outfit, outfit your life, outfit your record player. Okay. Thank you very much, bridge nine. Now here's the rest of the show. Did you I mean, cause you know, a lot of uh, the pressures that I know that you guys were feeling like as you started to, you know, really get on the treadmill and tour and, you know, business implications and all this stuff, like, you know, that's obviously what kind of led led to the dissolution of the band. Um, Do do you think that like, cause if I remember correctly, like, did you guys have, you know, a manager? Did you like, you know, how, I guess kind of, I know you had an agent and stuff like that, but you know, did you guys like, I guess. Uh, uh, you weren't equipped to handle the business of the band. It seemed like, um, am I correct in that assumption or, or is that, is that just reading through? Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we, we made some poor choices and, and the poor choices were bringing people, I think, and, and this may, this is probably a, a little weird, but I think we brought people into the circle before we needed to have those people in the circle, um, so Solid State, you know, with Beloved was was great to us. Um, you know, it was you know we weren't one of their top bands, we weren't one of their bottom bands. We were just a, a band. You know, if we needed help, they helped us out, and you know, which was which was amazing. Um, but we had Solid State, and then we had a booking agent named Tara Ruddle who actually worked with Matt Pike, I believe, at the Kenmore Agency, um, and she was amazing. It was super, it was, it was super simple. Um, she got us on cool tours. Um, she got a little bit of the cut when we added a manager, that's when things kind of got weird. And, and, you know, we started kind of maybe doing things that not everyone wanted to do or, or planning to do things that not everyone kind of wanted to do. Um, you know, the, the band, you know, and I think what made us such a, a, a dynamic band was that we had people, five guys, who had different but similar musical tastes, different but similar backgrounds. Um, so there were times that we, you know, someone was pulling when, and the other person was was pulling the opposite way. Um, and, and some of those were me, like I never, ever, and still, in. quote quote, unquote hardcore. I never want to play a show. That's not all ages. I think it's ridiculous. I think that in, in, in this music, it, it's a youth driven music. And there were times where you got offered offers and it was like, Oh, this is an 18 and up show. And to me, I'm like, no, like, like that's not a, it's a simple answer. It's no, I was one of five people. Um, now, now no one was like trying to like change ethically who we were, but they were looking at the band and the the future of the band. Um, and I think we probably ended up doing a show that was, wasn't all ages and it really kind of bummed me out. Um, but you know, different things like that. So we we got a manager who was like, Oh, you need to do this and that. And you know, we kind of, things kind of moved and in, in a way that we didn't see feel was maybe totally natural. Um, along that time, Joe was getting married, And when you're 20, I think Joe was probably 22 or 23 when he got married, Um, maybe 22, that's young. And you feel these certain pressures to provide with with that. And, you know, beloved, we, we weren't bringing home a lot of money and we toured a lot. We, you know, for, for two years, we toured about nine months a year, eight, totally between seven and nine months a year.
1: Yeah. You guys, are you guys really um, like to call like you were a working class band. It's like, you know, you would come home from these, these, you know, whatever, month and a half long tours. And like, maybe you would have, you know, whatever five to 700 bucks to, you know, take home a piece. But like, you know, for a month and a half worth of work, like that's not <laughs> sustainable. It's
2: not a lot. No. Yeah. We were all living at home still. Um, you know, we all had jobs, you know, we worked at like grocery stores and, and stuff like that. And, uh, Joe was like, worked at this uh, car wash, like, you know, he and they worked at his church. So like, it's, it wasn't really that sustainable. And I think, you know, add the, the kind of pressures of like trying to figure out how do you do this band, um, professionally. And it's, it seemed like there could, if we did another, um, full length, it, it could do really well. um, And so, you know, we were like, well, will it, you know, how long will it take? And, and, you know, Joe's like, I'm getting married and I've got to be the provider for this, for this, you know, woman that I'm, I'm marrying. Um, and and, you know, I think he got stressed out. We as a band were, um, I mean, Josh was in the band since he was like 16 or 17 years old. Um, so like, like it, it was, you know, when you're 17 or 18 and, you're essentially growing up and you're trying to figure out who you are and how you want your career to go. But there's someone who is in a different life stage than you. Um, sometimes it, it can be a little weird. And and so Joe just ended up deciding that he needed to step away from the band. And we are some loyal freaking dudes. You know, I, I, I try to be loyal to the death, even if it means I've got to give something up. And so when Joe was like, I think I need to step away um, from beloved and really focus on, on my marriage. Um, all of us, you you know, you know, the other, like Matt, Dusty and Josh, like, um, and and myself were like, okay, we're just not going to do it. Like we're, we're done. Like there's no reason to do something. If, because, you know, we were connected and we, we went through a lot of stuff and, you know, from being in a band, touring in a hardcore band is one of the most amazing things that you can do, but it is not easy living off of $5 a day um, when Wendy's had like a dollar menu and you know, I was yeah. eating like a, a cheeseburger deluxe with no meat cause I was the only vegetarian in the band. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like you, that's all you eat the entire day and you, you hopefully there's free water at the show. Um, it'll wear on you. Um, so, and, and you build these bonds, you know, when your van breaks down in, in the middle of, you know, Indiana and in cornfields you build these bonds. And so we were just like, we're not going to, you know, if this Joe the, feels this way.
1: Yeah. This isn't the vision of how we want to continue yeah. forward. Cause I, you know, I think that's what like, when you look at you know beloved because i'm sure you guys had material that was kind of like you know whatever started started to be written for your, your proverbial mm-hmm. second lp like did you guys actually have like um i presume you had songs like did you have kind of a roadmap on like you know okay we're gonna record with this person like was that stuff sort of in play yet or was that kind of too far off
2: no no yeah it was a little too far off we were we had like we had riffs and you know things like that like you know some skeletons but, but nothing kind of set um, and then we had ideas you know we you know the idea of uh you know dream producers was like oh my gosh this would be really cool I mean we had a pretty dream producer for failure on with yeah with right. uh, Garth Richardson <laughs> sure I mean it's it's hard to kind of
1: top that. Um, That's what I was going to say too, because like it would have been, it it was really interesting because you had such a, you know, a professional recording experience on, you know, failure on. And then it's just like, well, where do you really go from there? Cause (laughs) I I mean, like you could, you could go to the, you know, kind of complete opposite and just like really, you know uh, you know, strip it down and, you know, make it super raw or whatever. But yeah, I just was in my own head. I was like, yeah, I don't know what the next step for that is
2: yeah you know and, and and that's true um you know we tossed around like some guys like I, you know i can't even remember I, i'll probably sound like an idiot the guy who was in failure what was his name
1: oh ken and- um, ken andrews yeah. yeah oh dude yeah that was yeah, so,
2: that we, would, that we that talked so cool yeah yeah him um but but you know yeah you know yeah that was a wild experience you know, not to like kind of backtrack but sure um spending four weeks in in vancouver canada recording with the dude that did the first rage against the machine record Mm -hmm. um that i'm still like i still pinch myself to like you know you know sit on a couch in front of him and talk about that experience because that record um it taught me a lot man you know that band taught me a lot and to be able to you know, do a record with the guy who did that record. It's, it's still bananas to me.
1: Yeah. Totally. That I was like, that fortunate. Yeah, you're like, why, why am I here? This doesn't
2: make any sense. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh. Um, you know, and, and you know, looking at those records on his wall, you know, cause you know, those platinum records on his wall, like it's yeah, wild. You're,
1: you're like, you're like, we're not going to be that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're like thanks, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> like, thanks for spending some time with us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you know as the band dissolved and you know you guys in my opinion you know you know handled the exit very gracefully as far as you know whatever last show and you didn't you know feel like you did this you know three-year you know extended world tour to you know say goodbye to everybody or whatever and not to say you know not to throw shots at people that do that because that's completely fine um totally but you know did you kind of you know as that stuff was starting to come down did you have that sort of crisis of confidence of like, you know, who am I like, you know, now that I am not, you know, Johnny Mm -hmm. from beloved, like what, what does this mean for me?
2: Yeah. Um, it was definitely a hard time. Um, and you know, I, you know, I, I never had the, the Johnny from beloved thing. Um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, just speaking of beloved, like, you know, I was, um, and I mean this in the most, you know, respectful way. I was the worst musician out of the group. I was with some savages who musician wise in that band. Um, and, and we really prided ourselves on writing good songs and being able to play those songs. Um, and same with Advent, like some savages. Uh, so I took kind of, you know, one thing that I always kind of did is, is like try to like handle the business stuff. You know, obviously we had a, a label and stuff like that, but, Okay, when when the van's broken down, I'm going to connect the dots um, on how to get this fixed, how to get to the show, why this is getting fixed, and then get back to pick the van up. That was kind of where I feel like I shined. So when when the band ended, I was obviously devastated because you know everything runs through your head. Are, am I still going to be friends with these guys? Like these guys are my best friends. Um, am I going to be able to play music again? Because this is literally like what part of what makes me, me, um, getting to create music and and share that with other people and experience that with other people. Um, so yeah, you, you, kind of freak out and you, you go into panic mode a little bit, but, um, like, like, you know, I kind of said before, like, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm going to do whatever I can and try to be the best at it. So, um, I got a job, I, I was already in love and, you know, with, the woman I'm married to today. And, you know, I, I proposed actually shortly after the last show and it was like, okay, let's, uh,
1: this is the new chapter. Yeah.
2: The new chapter, let's, let's keep going and and moving forward. Um, I I don't want everyone to be stagnant or like just like kind of like sulk about the past. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it didn't really stop me too much. And then right after, um, Joe, Matt and I got together. It was literally like two or three weeks after and we're like, well, well here's Advent. Still love yeah. To play music. <laughs> totally. Yeah. hundred yeah. like, percent. And, uh, and yeah, so it, Advent kind of happened fairly fast after that, which was, was weird to some people because, you know, Joe was, did want to step back from the band, but you know, Advent was, we knew it would not be a seven to eight month or nine month a year touring band. We knew it. That was like, this is not what we want to do.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the blue, the blueprint had already been laid out and it was like, okay, this is what we will do. We will play shows when we can, but like, this isn't going to be the, yep. you know, the, the central, like you said, all consuming thing of your life. Yeah. Cause it was interesting to see, obviously totally. it's like, um, because I mean, classic case like that was obviously you know what the other dudes did, and then right after, yeah. right, yeah, and so is is this real? I know people people were trying to read a lot of the tea leaves of like, oh yeah, well these guys wanted to be heavier and these guys wanted to be lighter, so that's why the band split up. And it's like, well, you know, like I mean, that's an easy narrative to plug into it, but you know, there was probably there's there's probably a lot more than just that.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, like like Josh is Josh is one of the best musicians I've ever been able to spend time with and play music with. And of course he's going to keep going in classic case. The two records they did are phenomenal, man. Um, you know, in the last record they did, they got to page, uh, um, Ham- Hamlet, from, uh, helmet produced it
1: at page like, Hamilton. Like yeah.
2: yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton. Like, like that's amazing. Uh, Dusty went on to, uh, this band dead poetic that put out a couple amazing r- records. So it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, no one stopped playing music because they didn't want to do it. There was, there was some weird, we made some weird decisions and brought some people in who maybe shouldn't have been in. And then we had someone who was, you know, made an amazing life decision and at a young age and got a little spooked out. Like, is this the right move for me? Um, so yeah, so everyone kind of, you know, Josh did classic case, Dusty did poetic and Matt and I were like, Matt, Joe and I were like, well, we freaking love heavy music we you know we we were the ones who kind of like bounced out Josh and Dusty so let's start a heavy band but yeah no there's nothing like oh there's creative differences <laughs> nothing like that
1: yeah for sure for sure um and so then it, last couple things i wanted to hit was the you know the idea like you yeah. said you really you know focused on flipping the page you know next chapter and you know you have do you have two children or how many kids do you have?
2: I have two children. That's my Two, yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. How old are they?
2: Uh, my daughter's nine and my son is six.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, now that you are, you know, a, a father and a family man and, you know, you are clearly still passionate about, you know, hardcore punk, you know, vegetarianism, veganism, all that, all the things that make you who you are, um you know, that, that is an interesting lens to view being a parent in. And so, you know, how, like, you know, how does that kind of like ping pong around in your head where it's just like, okay, like, you know, clearly my kids are being exposed to, you know, a whole different subculture and subset of life that, you know, obviously my parents weren't, you know, raising me with or whatever. So, you know, how does that, how does that kind of like, you know, I guess filter around your head?
2: Yeah. You know, it, it opens up for, for conversation and, and hopefully acceptance for 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 people with different choices um, and you know different views on life and and things like that. So um, so my wife is not a vegetarian. My wife is not straight edge. Uh, my wife wasn't really into hardcore. She you know she liked bands like you know Stretch Armstrong and you know Poison the Well. I like kind of if you want to say easy listening. And I know Chris <laughs> from Stretch will want to punch me in the stomach for saying that. And I don't mean it that way. I love it. But <laughs> But, uh, you know, she liked that, but she, you know, it it really wasn't her thing. And and I think that's what drew me to her is she's a, a strong woman who, um, is who she is. And she didn't have to, to feel like she had to be what I was. For, for it to work. And same thing. Like I didn't, I wanted someone who was an individual and, and had their own passions and, and things like that. So like, that's what I was trying to, but so when we ha- had kids, um, we talked about we're like, are we going to raise our kid, kids vegetarian? And for me, I was like, you know what? I don't want to tell my kids they cannot eat what their mother's eating. Um, me choosing to not eat meat is still very important. Me choosing to, to proudly be straight edge after all these years, it's, it's still very important to me. And so with that, we, we have conversations, um, you know, like, Oh dad, why are you not eating that? And you know, it, I mean, my, my kids are six and nine now. So they, they, first spending, um, you know, it was, you know, we, we had conversations and I, you know, I remember my daughter being like, dad, do you want a chicken nugget? And I was like, Oh no, thank you. And she was like, Oh yeah, I forgot you can't eat it. And to me, that was like a moment. I was like, well, no, I can't eat it, but I just choose not to eat it. And like, I could see in her face. She was like, wait, like, what does that mean? You know, and she, once she kind of, yeah, like you choose not like, why wouldn't you eat this? And, you know, we talked about it and we talked about, um, you know, a little bit, I mean, she was, she was young. So I didn't want to get like, you know, let me pull the PETA videos out. Like, let's,
1: yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's Here's TV the undercover investigation and... footage. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, but, you know, we talked about it and, you know, we talked about uh, life and, you know, the life cycle and, and, you know, do we feel God created everything? And if, if we do, don't we feel like we should treat what God created with respect? And, and, you know, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I went into like, you know, talking about that, but, um, but at the same time I was like, you know, but, you know, just cause I'm different and you're different, we don't eat the same thing. We're still connected. And, you know, then, you know, to me, that's like the, the beauty of life is there's so many different um, people. We look different. We sound different. Um, we like different things, but it doesn't mean that that's bad. And, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of what my wife and I chose to kind of like, can this be a moment that we like set our kids on the path that we, we are going Um, so yeah, so that's with that, you know, it's to like, you know, that's a long way of saying that being into punk, being into hardcore, you know, being a vegetarian, being, um, straight edge. I want to use that to let my kids know that just because someone doesn't do something you do or because they, you know, look different or sound different or, or like different things, or maybe think you're wrong for doing those things that they're not a bad person.
1: Sure. Totally. Yeah. A, 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 uh, a deliberate lifestyle, but like not a judgmental lifestyle. So yeah, I totally, I, I totally get what you're saying.
2: Not at all, man.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and you know, the, the last thing I want to hit on was the fact like you're, you're mentioning, you know, you know, Advent is clearly, you know, a, a comfortable part in everybody's life where it's like, you know, you guys pop in occasionally, here's a brand new EP, you know, mm-hmm. here's a full length or whatever. And here's, you know, some shows we're doing and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to guess like just kind of reading the tea leaves and knowing how people like yourself can kind of operate in these worlds where it's like, you know, you, you know, you clearly, you know, you show up to a day job and you know, you do these things and then people are just like, wait, you're in a hardcore band. Like what, this doesn't make any sense. You know, so like how, you know, I guess, how does the real world react to like, you know, knowing sort of, you know, tall goofball Johnny as one thing and then you expose them, you know, not like you're out there being like, Oh yeah, I play in a hardcore band. I'm pretty cool. But like, you know, I'm sure people find out and they're just like what the heck is this
2: yeah and you know i wouldn't in no form or fashion am i ashamed of what i do but there i believe what i do with advent is it's not it's not easy to listen to if you don't like uh, especially later on like naked and cold and then pain and suffering that came out on, on bridge nine like it's it's not like a beloved is definitely like you know, a little easier to get into. So, um, I, I try not to, you know, talk about it in, in this, in a professional sense. So I, uh, when I joined the company that, that I work for now, they're based in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and I live in North Carolina. Um, I remember flying out to, uh, just kind of, you know, meet the team, do some training, things like that. And, and I got in there and, you know, people were kind of, you know, we, we did the, Oh my gosh, Hey, it's great to meet you. blah blah. blah and we sit down at the table and, uh, the CEO of the company, um, she, she's amazing. And she like kind of got the smirk on her face and everyone else started kind of getting a little smirk on their face. And they're like, we, we Googled you. And I was like,
1: "Uh Oh, my this comes. My God.
2: Yep. I knew, <laughs> I, I knew like they probably got on YouTube or, or something. And I was like, I'm not prepared for this. I don't I don't want to go into it right now. <laughs> like, like it's something I'm so proud. Of. I'm I'm so proud of what we do with Advent, but from the outside eye, it looks like madness. Um and, and I'm sure you know, you know, you're in you know, you're in a you know professional setting. And you know, if people look at a hardcore show from the outside, it looks insane.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense at all.
2: It makes no sense at all. And uh and we spent about an hour and I, I like, I, I was like, all right, let's get it out on the table. And we talked, we watched some YouTube videos. And I was literally like so embarrassed, not in the sense of what I do, but like, are they going to fire me for this? Yeah, totally. <laughs> kinda, kinda, like, <laughs> is this person mentally stable? If, uh, you know, and, and, and but it was, but it was amazing. So, um, you know, and it, it, it's going to come up and, you know, I, I kind of, uh, you know, talk through it. And, you know, there's sometimes I was actually just in Baltimore, uh, for this, uh, this natural food show. And, um, and we, there's some people on our team now that, that came that, that have uh, a background in heavy music. And we were talking about things and (laughs) I was explaining, um, turmoil got brought up and, uh, and we were talking about the process of, which is, I'm going on record saying it's one of the most perfect records. Absolutely. Um, Unequivocally ever, ever written. Yep. And, and we, uh, me and this guy, we were, we were talking about it and, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, let it die. Like, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing song and, and someone overheard it and they're like, what, what? And, uh, we're like, oh yeah, you know, we're just, you know, talking and, and it sounds insane and we played it and, and the look on their face was like, am I supposed to listen to this? Like, like, is, am I going to get in trouble for listening to this? And, and it definitely puts into perspective that it's a music, not for everyone. It, that sounds everyone is, is it's accessible and meant for everyone, but not everyone can appreciate it. And, uh, so, so yeah, like, you know, I, I, I talked about it a little bit, but really I just kind of take the principles of what I learned being in a hardcore band, um, and, and navigating and, and working with people, uh, and, and bring those into like my professional life.
1: Totally, So, totally. Yeah, you can just, you know, kind of lead by example and be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a normal person, but like, I've also have this, yeah. you know, really core core thing that you know has influenced me greatly <laughs> and this weird subculture that you know i can't sit here and explain to you over you know 30 minutes or, uh, at a conference table yeah you know that's just impossible so yeah i, I totally understand totally. what you're saying yeah uh,
2: and that's actually the first time i've ever used my professional the word like the phrase my professional life that's wild yeah that. <laughs>
1: there, there you go dude that, that's the world that's the world that you live in <laughs> it is totally uh well dude thank you so much for hanging out man this has been super fun and i uh, appreciate you walking me through all the uh, the uh, ups and downs and uh, highs and lows and fun things that uh, you experienced throughout your life. Heck yeah! Thank you. There we go. That was Johnny. Great, great discussion. I uh, appreciated him spending time with me on uh, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was uh, it was great. I loved it. And uh, if you have not checked out Beloved, please or Advent for that matter, both bands incredible. Check out their stuff because um, yeah, it's it, it, it uh, both Advent and Beloved are uh i don't know just kind of kind of timeless like even though beloved stuff came out in the early 2000s like you can listen to it and you're just like holy moly this record sounds massive still and it's you know whatever 10 to 15 years later but anyways next week i got an exciting chat with tim mcmahon the vocalist from mouthpiece and hands tied and face the enemy he's been in a ton of bands very active within the punk and hardcore scene and documenting it and making sure that uh you know the 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 lineage of these bands kind of lives on. Uh, I used to do a website called double cross and, um, yeah, just a prolific guy when it comes to punk and hardcore. So that's what we got next week. As always, the episode is brought to you by Sonos special shout out to them and their new product called the Sonos move. This thing is unbelievable, portable speaker, 10 hours of battery life, recharge it on a station. It is the coolest and it sounds unbelievable. It can fill any room you play it in. Or if you're outdoors playing at a park, you're going to be the coolest person at that particular picnic or whatever it is that you're doing. So go to Sonos.com. You can learn everything about their entire product line and especially the Sonos move. I can't recommend it higher. Thank you very much, Sonos. Now, goodbye.
3: Hi, I'm Esther Dean. I've made my life by writing songs like Fireworks by Katy Perry, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj, What's My Name by Rihanna, just to name a few. And now I'm having an absolute blast sharing some of the knowledge that I've learned with upcoming songwriters on Songland on NBC. I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast, giving you new insight into the magical art of songwriting as told by some of the best in the business and also the pioneers and the up-and-comers who will be shaping the hits you'll be listening to for years. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 central, and join us here on Songland's podcast, available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.